Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is located in Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement, blessing, and an inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us, or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. Again, speaking about margin, and I showed you guys, I don't know if there's someone back there or not, but there's a picture of the closet. Show the closet. There it is. We're talking about margin and space and how full our lives are at times. We, we, we spoke generally the first week about just how important margin is in our lives and how God even commanded it in his, in his word. And in Exodus chapter 20, the fifth commandment um, of, of when, the, when you talk about the 600 and something commands that God gave, God started off with 10 commands. You can even call them God's top 10. You know, these are the top 10 commands. And um, in those 10 commands, there was the fifth commandment, and it said, Remember the Sabbath, for it is holy unto the Lord. And what is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is the day of rest. It is so important for us to have margin in our life. It is so important for us to have space in our lives that God even worked it into his commandments. So you need to take a day off. You need to make time. You need to make space in your life so that it may be okay for your closet to look that way, but it's not okay for your life to look this way. It's not okay for your schedule to look like this. It's not okay for your finances to look like this. It's not okay for your relationships to look like this. It is not okay for our lives to be so full that there's no space for anything in our lives. And we define margin as the space between our current pace And our limit. Margin is the space between our current pace and our limit. And and I've used several ways to explain it. Um, But let me explain it this way today. We all have cars, right? In our cars, there's something that's called the speedometer. And if you notice on the speedometer, you can... Drive your car in such a manner that the speedometer is not dictated or the car is not, is not limited to just the speed limit that's posted on the highway. Uh, most of our highways here in this area are, what, 70 miles per hour, 75 miles if you go a little bit more into the rural areas, right? And though we observe... The speed limit, at least most of us do, right? We observe the speed limit. There is, in our car, there is an ability for us to to push the pedal a little bit more. And it's got the ability to go, some of our cars can go 110 miles. Some of our cars can go 120. And that's the margin, even though we usually stick to a speed limit of about 60, 65, 70 miles per hour, there is a margin within the car between the 70 miles per hour that you're going to the actual 120 miles per hour that you could probably push it to. Some of you guys got a little bit nicer cars, and you can probably push it a little bit more. There's a a cushion. There's a, the limitation of the car is uh, is not 70 miles an hour. It's 140, 110, 120. So margin is that space, the space between your current pace, what you're currently driving at, and what the actual limit for your car is. 
And the whole point of this whole sermon series is for us to understand that life is much better when you and I have margin in it. Just as driving a car. It's a lot better for us to drive the speed limit. Because if we don't, what happens? Won't we get a ticket? Number two, we're endangering other people around us, endangering ourselves because we're, it's reckless driving. Man, some of you are pushing back and saying, oh, no, I can, I can handle speed, brother. But there, there's, there's a safety. There's, a, there's an understanding that when you and I have margin in our lives, life is better. Even Jesus God in the flesh, God come down from heaven into this world. Even Jesus would, would take time, you read it in the Gospels, and it will say that Jesus went into the mountains away from the crowds, away from the busyness, away from the demands, away from the speaking engagements, away from the work that he had come to do, and he would spend time with his Father in prayer and in rest. Now, last time I checked, none of you here are Jesus. And if Jesus needed margin in his life, I, I think it's safe to say that we all need margin in our lives. Last week we spoke on time. And we said that because our time is limited... We should limit our time. But money is a little bit different. And today we're talking about money. Because our money is limited. Right? How many have ever said or have told your kids, money doesn't grow on trees? Or you've been told by somebody. Our money is limited yet Listen, church, yet, and young people, you need to pay attention, yet, for some reason, we don't limit our money. And we get into situations in our lives, because that's the way culture and society works today, that even if I don't have enough money to purchase the things that I want, the things that I need, the things that I desire, what can we do? If I don't have enough money, what am I going to do? Let's go to that bank. Fill out a credit card application. Fill out a loan application. And although your money, even though my money is limited, somewhere along the way, society and culture and the American dream has told us, you know what, it's okay, even though your money's limited, it's okay not to limit your money. And what happens if we're not careful is that it's easy for our finances, our, our bank account, to start looking like that cluttered closet we saw just a moment ago. That at some point we don't have enough room in the budget to purchase that one little birthday gift that is going to change your child's day and is going to give them excitement. You're like, I don't know. We can't spend 100 bucks because we are just maxed out financially. Well, guess what? We'll just go put it on the credit card again. We dig ourselves into holes that we spend Years, decades, trying to dig ourselves out of it. I'm not trying to depress anybody, okay? I'm trying to, trying to help you, and I'm trying to help myself, and I'm trying to make sure that as a church, that you and I, we can understand that there is a relationship between God, and there's a relationship between our hearts, and there's a relationship with money that all ties together. 
And we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Listen, for followers of Christ, when I look in this room and I, and I, and I think all of you here are, love Jesus. And you're, yes, some of you may be still trying to figure out what, what exactly God is asking from you. But I think we all here have a good understanding of who Jesus is. And we somehow want to follow Jesus. But the idea that you and I can follow Jesus and not have any margin in our finances is... A mistaken idea. If you and I are going to be followers of Christ, we need to learn how to instill margin in our finances. There is a direct relationship between our ability to follow Jesus and our ability to keep our finances in order. And I'm going to show you in just a moment. The trap that some of us fall into, that we're, we're constantly uh, uh, falling into, is that we're, we're believing the advertising. We're, we're believing the things that the world is telling us. And I'm not against advertising. I'm not against commercials because they're just doing their job. It really comes up to us to make good decisions in our lives. Good decisions as when we're young. Good decisions when we just get married. Good decisions as we're five years into marriage. Good decisions when we decide we're going to buy a car. Good decisions when we are going to buy a house. We need to decide to be good stewards with what God has given us. But we fall into this trap and the, that the advertisers put on TV and as we're driving down the, the freeway, we see the, the billboards Showing us all these wonderful services and products that you and I, we just have to have in order for what? In order for our lives to be better. That's what they tell us. That if we want life to be better, we need to raise our standard of living. And I'm just here to tell you that that's absolutely false. That... Just because you surround yourself with things that you perceive to be better or that things, you surround yourself with things that people say around us, hey, you need to try this service. Hey, you should get one of these as well. Or the advertisements that are coming on are convincing you to say, to say I need that in my life. Just because you surround yourself with all those things in your life, it is not going to make your life better. Which, by the way, who determines what is better? Who, who, who's the one that makes the decision that this is what's going to make your life better? Who has the ability to speak into my life and tell me, you know what, if you don't buy this particular television set, your life isn't just, it's just not good. If it's not ultra 4K, 75 inch, no, 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 75 inch, no, it needs to be 85, no. And he, I walked into the Best Buy the other day and they had a 92 inch TV for sale. Wow. Yeah, life would be better with that. But who determines that? Who, who makes us believe that? Who, who's dictating what is better for for me, who is dictating what is better for you? Who, who dictates what is better for your family? Who dictates what is better for your family and my family? Just because we fill our lives with things that people say are better, it doesn't mean that our life gets better. I don't know if you're hearing me tonight or today. It doesn't mean it. It doesn't make it true. In fact, many times the opposite is actually true. The bigger and better things that we get in our lives give us more frustration. For example, we bought a house. Praise God. You know what this house came with? And I'm sure somehow we paid along, paid for it along the way, but supposedly it came with this, this, this system this called the Savant system. And it's supposed to make our lives better. Because now, because we have this system that was came with the house, now what we can do is we only need one remote control to control 
every device that we have in our house, even the lights. But guess what happened? It stopped working. My goodness, the frustration that was going on at the house. You mean I have to get up to turn off the lights? You mean I, I have to do something besides push a button? Then we call, hey, um, sir, my system's not working. Yeah, it's going to be $150 for us to go out. What? Many times, the bigger and the better things that we perceive to be better in our lives and we bring them into our lives, they end up causing more frustration than they actually help us. Some of us who are married, we, we have raised our standard of living because we've been married five years, 10 years, 15 years. We've raised our standard of living, but because there is no margin in our finances, we are always arguing. We are always fighting. We are always getting upset with each other with the spending that's going on. And yeah, even though our standard of living is, is better our life and our relationship is not better. Those of you who are single, praise the Lord, young people. You don't want to admit you're young? Praise the Lord, young people. Or praise the Lord, you unmarried people. <laughs> listen, listen. Just because you're trying to keep up with everyone around you. And, and, or you simply just want more stuff in your life. And you find yourself, and you, you find yourself being discontent with what you already have. And we end up always lamenting and complaining that we don't get paid enough. And that we need a better job. And that even though that job is a job that God blessed you with. We find ourselves going into debilitating debt. Just trying to keep up with those around us. I'm not saying that's everyone. I'm speaking in general terms. And I, I, I want to, if you're not that person, God bless you. And I want to help you not to become that person. And I heard a pastor once say, our standard of living is not the same thing as our quality of life. Why? Because you can raise your, listen, you can raise your standard of living with debt. But you can only raise your quality of life with discipline. But the problem is we like debt more than discipline. And here's a ch the challenging part. And this is not something you might like, but this is something that's true and this is challenging. Listen, creating margin in our finances may mean lowering our standard of living a little bit. It may mean not getting that cool car. It may mean downsizing in our home. It may mean not buying that house that we saw when we visited and we said, man, yeah, we need six bedrooms. Yeah, we need four bathrooms. Yeah, we need four car garage. It may mean that. It's challenging, but it doesn't make it not true. Because we raise our standard of living in this country through debt. But the quality of life is only raised through discipline. And what happens in our lives sooner or later, and I pray that it happens sooner rather than later for every person in this place. We begin to understand that the material things we're chasing after are truly not that important. Listen, when it comes to this... To those of you that are married, would you rather, would you rather have a marriage filled with a bunch of arguments and very nice, luxurious cars? Or would you have a, rather have a marriage that has peace and some okay cars? 
What would you rather have? Listen, would you rather have a big house but nobody ever wants to be at home because there's always infighting and arguing and disaccord and I don't want to see you and as soon as dad gets home, mom leaves and as soon as mom, uh, dad leaves, mom comes home? Or would you rather have a modest house and a family that wants to be together all the time? Because mom is not always arguing with dad about the finances. Because dad is not always arguing with mom about her target runs. Santo, háblanos, Señor, speak to us. Would you rather have lots of cool stuff but live paycheck to paycheck? Or would you rather, you know what, I'm going to save until I have the money to buy it and live with freedom that margin brings you. See, our quality of life is directly related to what we treasure in our hearts. And that's why Jesus said, don't build up treasure for yourself up here on this earth where things are ruined and, and things are temporary. But yet, better yet, build your treasures up in heaven. And then he said in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I know that most of you are visual learners, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to be like we're in a classroom. But I'm not teaching finances. I just want to show you something, okay? So we all spend, listen, we all live off of a percentage, Okay? So let me, let me, and I was looking for the best way to show you this, and I found this and I, as I was researching and studying, and I, and I think this would help you. I think this will help you. So let's do it this way, right? So we have our, our money and we have our time, all right? So, and this can be, I don't know, whatever you want to put in here. It can be hundreds. It can be thousands. This can be years. All right. So... All of us live off a percentage. Whether you know that percentage, you may know it, you may not know it. But I think most of us probably don't know what percentage of money we live on. But when you see the graph, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's me. So here's a, so what happens, we have our money, we have our time. And all of us, as the years go by, our income is right here. Okay. Now, I understand for some of you it goes up, a little bit down and up, and it's not always this. And for some of you guys, it's just mm, it's the same all the way across, I know. It's not the same for everyone. But here's the margin. You can either find yourself in one of three places. Most of us, I believe, here's our income and here comes our spending. Most of us, I, generally speaking, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone, but I, 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 most of us are right here when it comes to our spending. We're right under this line. Now, some of us, when it comes to our spending, we're right here. This is our income, but yet this is our spending. But the reality is that where we want to be, when we're talking about margin, is that we want to be there. And I said that you can't be a Jesus follower, truly be a Jesus follower, if there's no margin in your life. Why did I say that? This is why. Because when it comes to margin, when you can sleep, at night with peace and freedom, you know where it's found? It's found right here. If you're here, you're not going to find peace and freedom. If you're here, you're not going to find peace and freedom. If you want to live a life that's generous, where is that found? Only here. 
The Bible calls us to be generous people. Will you be able to be generous if this is you? Will you be able to be generous if this is you? The Bible says, serve one another, love one another. Look after the needs of one another. Do you know where that happens? Young people, pay attention. Do you know where that happens? It only happens here. The freedom and the things that God is asking for you and I uh, to live by the values and the things that he says, you know what, this is what it means to be a Jesus follower. It means to care for the needy. It means to care for the poor. It means to give to the church. It means to, to help your brother and your sister where they're in trouble. It means to love one another. It means to have peace. It means to be anxiety free. There is no, listen, Anxiety-free living only occurs here. There is no way that you can be free of anxiety if this is you here. There is no way that you can be free of worry if you're right on your income line. If you and I truly want to be followers of Jesus... If you and I truly want to be people who follow the commands of God and we, we say, Lord, we love you, Lord. And Jesus said, if the greatest command is this, love God with all your heart, with all your strength and all, and all your mind. And he said, but I give you a second one. Not only love God, but love your neighbor as you love yourself. And what happens is that we can't love our neighbors because we're, we are not in this margin area. We don't have the, the space in our finances and we don't have the space in our spending for us to be able to truly love one another. Because loving one another is not just saying I love you. Loving one another is taking action when you see your, tr your brother in need. Loving one another is saying my city, my community is in need, what can I do to step into that gap and say, you know what, maybe I can't do it all, but here's something that I can do. I can, and this is the same with time. You can change this out and put time. You can change it because it's only in our margins when God can work in our lives. Because this is what happens. If this is you up here or this is you here, what does life become about? becomes about yourself. I got to work more because I got to work more because I'm barely. Boss, do you have overtime? Boss, do you have another job? Boss, do you have? And see, we all have to make a decision on what kind of percentage we want to live on. Do we want to live on a, a hundred and 40% of our income? Do we want to live off of 100% of our income? Or do we want to live, you make this number, I don't know, 75%? If you're bold, 60. If you're even bolder, 50. But you know what that means? That you might not be able to get that nice car. You might not be able to get that big house because I'm choosing to live in a manner that allows for me to be able to have that ability to love others, to step in and need, to be able to contribute. Man, that we got your back foundation, that sounds like it's something amazing to do, but I can only give $20 because and even then it's cutting it close. But what, how amazing would it be? You know what? I, I, I believe, I see that video and I, I want to be a part of it. Not only am I going to give a $500 to the We Got Your Back Foundation, I'm going to go with them the next time they go out because I want to be a part of it. I don't just want to send my money. I want to go. If I have to take two weeks off, if I need to take three weeks off, because why? I have the margin to do it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus said, 
No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus is saying that no matter how hard you try, if you want to be a Jesus follower, you have to have this in your life because there is no way that you can have two masters. How many have ever been at a job and you have two bosses? How frustrating is that? Where one boss comes and tells you one thing, then another one comes and tells you another, and then one boss understands you, and then another boss doesn't understand you, and it comes to this point where you're going to either hate one and love the other, you're going to either be loyal to one, and you're going to despise the other. There's so much truth in what Jesus is saying. You cannot serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And he finishes the thought with this. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot follow God. You cannot follow Jesus if your life is here. Or dare I say even here. Because you're serving two masters. Yeah, my, oh, I would like to give next week for faith month, but my mortgage company won't let me. Yeah, I, I would like to give to, 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 to help or to sponsor a young man or a young woman to go to youth camp. But yeah, my... My car company is not going to be too happy and thrilled about that. There's no freedom. There's no margin. So why do we do this? Why do we decide to live like this or to live like this? When, because I'm not telling you anything new. We all know this. It's not groundbreaking. This is not, wow, pastor is so smart. This is not, the, we all know this, but yet for whatever reason, even though we know this, about 95% of people in America, 95% of American culture, we live either this way or this way. Why do we do this? Well, I, I have four reasons, and then I'm going to give you three things that maybe we can do to change this. I'm not a financial expert, but I believe that if we can understand this, we can visually see this, it might give you pause next time when you make a decision to, to get something that you really don't need, but you want. Something that's not necessary, but it's a desire. Listen. These are the four things. Why do we do this? I think, number one, we, we have this misconception that, there's three things, I'm sorry, three misconceptions. Having more will make me happier. That's what we think. That is what, if I can purchase that big house, if I can purchase that big, that nice car, if I can purchase this nice thing, if I can purchase it, it's going to make me happier. Therefore, I know I should live this way, but I'm going to choose to live here in bondage, in slavery. See, Ecclesiastes chapter 6 verse 10 says this. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This is meaningless. Andy Stanley, pastor in Georgia, in, in Atlanta, he said this. He said this. It is better to want than to owe. Oh, I don't know about that, Andy. It is better to want than to owe. See, your young people might, not, might be pushing back like, ah, but I need that piece of gear. <laughs> Talking to the musicians now, right? But I need that car. No. When you get to be our age, 
you'll understand, you know what, why did I do that? I would have preferred to stay wanting it than now to be enslaved to all this debt that I have. It's better to want than to owe because it's not true. Having more will not make us happier. The second thing that we think is that having more will make me feel important. You know, God has blessed my family and I, and I'm going to share this with you. I was, I was debating of whether or not to share this with you, but I am. Um, God has blessed us, and we just recently got a new car, and we were grateful for that, right? We, we're grateful. And, um, but I remember as we were walking out to the car one time, and someone that didn't know we had this new car, I, I, I'm, I'm walking out to the car, and this person's helping me with some stuff. And he says, Pastor... Now you look like an executive. And it got, it stirred my heart saying, you know, what's going on? Like, why, why, why did we have to feel like we need to say things like that? Because... We have that idea that having something like that, having something nice, having that big TV, having that big house, having those nice cars, having these great things in your life makes you feel important. And we all want to feel important. But the reality is that, yeah, God gave us a nice car, but it doesn't make me an executive. It doesn't make me any more important. It doesn't make me any less important. I'm loved by God no matter what. It's just an incorrect thought for you and I to have that things will make us feel more important. Number three, having more will make me more secure. How many of you can remember, listen, how many of you can remember 10 years back if you have been working, do you have that work history or maybe five years back? Hey, do you ever remember thinking this? If only I had just a little bit more, things would be okay. Remember that? Now think to today. You are a little bit more. You are a little bit more advanced. Are you still saying the same thing? If only I would have just that little extra. If only I would, things would be okay. Because having more does not bring security. In fact, having more brings more anxiety. The more you have, the more time and energy it takes to maintain it. The bigger the house, the more cleaning you got to do. The nicer the car, the more the maintenance costs. No one wants to say amen, but it's true. The nicer it is, the more insurance you pay for it. Security. You will never, listen church, you will never find security in something that can be taken away from you. You will never find security in something that you need to replace in five to six years or 20 years. Security is not found in something that can be lost. Security is only found in something that is eternal. And let me tell you, the only eternal thing that I know, his name is Jesus Christ. But Jesus offers us eternal security. He offers us eternal salvation. But sometimes we can't even hear God's voice in our lives because we're here and we don't have the margin to hear God calling. We don't hear the margin saying, son, daughter, I've called you to greater things, but we're so concerned about making, paying the bills. We're so concerned about those nice things that we want in life. We are so concerned about having more because we think that brings us security when the reality is that security is only found in Jesus and we can only hear the voice of Jesus when there's margin in our lives. 
Job said in verse, chapter 31, verse 24, if I have put my trust in gold or said to pure gold, you are my security. If I have rejoiced over my great wealth, the fortune my hands have gained, he says in verse 28, then these would be sins. Church. These would be sins, he says, for I would have been unfaithful to God. When you and I put our security in our wealth, in our money, in our jobs, the Bible says it's sin. I'm not saying that. I'm just relaying to you what the Bible says. Because we're being unfaithful. So what can we do? Quickly, because I'm running out of time. What can we do? Number one, we, we need to resist comparing what we have to others. We all do it. Someone gets a new car. Oh, wow, man, I, I got a beater. God, I wish I had something like that. I can't. Man, you have a nice house, bro. Man, this is a nice big apartment. My apartment's small. I, I still live with my parents. I, 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 oh, you got that job? That's amazing. I wish I had that job. We get on our phones. Babe, can you believe they're, they're in, uh, uh, they went to Puerto Vallarta. Look, they, now look where they're at. Now they went to, they went to, well, what did we, we went to Rome, right? Look, the pastors are in Rome. Look, this family is over at, um, in California. Look, this family went to New York. Look, this family. Why can't we ever go somewhere like that? And we, we compare our lives to what others are doing, not understanding that maybe those others that are doing those things are. We don't even understand that we are begrudging them for this, which, come on, church, looking at this, is that something we should be begrudging? Envious about? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, even the apostle says this. The apostle Paul says that we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. We shouldn't be comparing ourselves to those that are commending themselves. We shouldn't be, what are, nowadays, how do we commend ourselves? Hey, I'm doing something cool. Let me take a selfie and I'll put it on Facebook. Hey, check out what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm doing that right. I don't take very many selfies. Paul says, we don't even dare think about doing this. But yet we do it all the time. So what can we do? Let's resist that. We shouldn't compare ourselves to others. Number two, rejoice and be grateful with what we do have. God has been too good to you, church. God loves you. God sent his only son so that if you would believe in him, you won't perish, but you will have eternal life. If that is all God ever does for your life, and if that is God, all that God ever does for you, that is more than enough. That is more than enough. Rejoice. It may not be the car everyone else wants, but it's your car. It may not be the apartment that everyone else wants, but it's your apartment. It may not be the house, and that house may smell like feet, but it's your feet. Praise God. Ecclesiastes chapter 6 verse 9 says, It is better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. So what can we do? We need to resist comparisons. We need to rejoice and be grateful with what we do have. Number three, we got to reevaluate our percentages. Husbands, wives, young people, you guys need to sit down and you need to talk about this. Where are we? Are we at here? Are we here? Or are we here? 
What steps do we need to take? I'm not a financial expert. I can't give you steps because uh, I can't. I'm not. That's not my forte. But there are many people that can help you. You can take a Dave Ramsey course. And as a matter of fact, if enough people are interested, we can do it as a small group at, at one of the houses. And we can present the Dave Ramsey course about financial freedom. How can we live this way? But we need to reevaluate. Re See, Jesus or God speaks to us about 10%. Put the verse up, the next verse. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. And all he says, all I need is, all I want you to do is give the 10%. But I can't, God, because of this. I'm right here. I, I can't because my mortgage company. <laughs> God says, if you'll do this, I will give you so much more that you won't even have room for it. Some of us, we need to just get to a point in our lives where we're going to work out our percentages and say, you know what, 10% is for God. But... God does tell us to be generous. I, I've told you several times, my goal one day is to get to about 25 to 30% that we give to God. And some of it goes to the church and some goes to, to causes and missions that we believe in. But this is my goal. And then the rest, we figure out how much it's going to be for savings, and how much it's going to be for retirement, and then how much it's going to be to live on, income, uh, spending. I'm still working on it. My handwriting's awful. I'm still working on it. But you need to sit down and say, okay, I'm, we're not there, but what can we do? And I challenge you, if you haven't done this, start here. Listen, I, I'll even challenge you. I've done this. No one's taken me up on it yet. But if you're having a hard time tithing, do it three months. And if you can tell, tell me and say, you know what, Pastor, I just don't feel like God is doing anything. I'll give you the, we'll give you the money back. That's how much I believe that God will come through. He will do it. But I can't, Pastor. Well, if you're here, you're already not making it somewhere. And if you're here, well, it, it, it comes to a point where you have faith and you trust so what do we do? We, we resist comparisons. We rejoice and are grateful in what we do have. And number three, we reevaluate re our, our percentages and how we're living. And number four, we refocus on treasures in heaven and eternal values. That's the verse that we first read. He said, do not, Matthew chapter 6 verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But rather store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. Where no one can reach it. Vermin and moths can't destroy it. Thieves can't break in and take it. What you live for is much more important than what you live on. What you do with your life is more important than this purple line. But the real question is, are you willing to do without some things in your life in order to obey God? That's the million dollar question. Can we do this? Can I trust God enough? Can I create enough margin in my life to where I'm not a slave to my finances and I have the room, the breathing room to live life in a manner that honors God, that helps others, that helps my city, that helps my community, that helps my neighbor. 
Where would I rather be? Here or here? Can I trust God down here? Because when we're here, we're trusting ourselves. But when we're here, we're trusting God. I'm going to ask you to stand. There where you're standing, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. If you can lift your hand, lift your hand. Father, we've come into your house today and you've spoken into our hearts. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about margin and Lord, you've been challenging us with our time and today you've challenged us with our money and our finances. Lord, we ask you that you would give us the faith that we need to trust you. Because we don't want to sin against your life, against you and in our lives, and we don't want to put our security in our wealth, in our treasures, in our jobs. We want to put our security in you. Because you are eternal. I ask you for every Marriage. I ask you for every young person, every person that's dating, every person that is, uh, is single, every high schooler, Lord, that's here, every middle schooler that's here. Lord, I ask you that we can understand this now. And for those of us that do need to take steps right now to, to turn this around, Lord, that you would give us the, 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 the passion, that you would give us, Lord, the fortitude, that you would give us, Lord, the perseverance to do this. For those that are young and that they don't find themselves here yet, Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you would give them the wisdom to make sound decisions, that they would come before you first before they make these major decisions in their lives so that they can honor you, Lord, with their finances. Lord, I ask you that you will bless City Church, that we can be a church that is generous, that we can be a church that is giving, that we can be a church that blesses others, that we can be a church, Lord, that there is always food in your house because we give, Lord, that we can be a church with margin. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Can you give God a hand praise today? So I want to do something, I'm going to, we're going to call, make a call to the altar, but we spoke about this. If this is your need, then I invite you to come. But if you have a different need, if there's a sickness in your family, if there's a, something that you've been praying about and you want God to answer that prayer, if there, whatever that need is, if you have something you want to bring to the Lord, we call this an altar. This is a, the, uh, an altar where you and I come to God and we sacrifice and we bring things before him. Let's take that step today. I don't know what your need is. It, it may be what I talked about. It might be today's message. Or, or it might be a sickness. It might be a, 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 a pressure that you're feeling. It might be an anxiety that you're feeling. Whatever that need may be. Let's come before the Lord today. As we sing. The, the altar is open. You can step forward. You come before God today. I don't know what it is. It may be your finances. It may be a relationship. It may be an addiction. It may be a sadness that you feel. Maybe a calling that God's put upon your life, a burden. Whatever it is, bring it before God today. Just speak with Him. He's here, He is in this place.